The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Italian Wine Club on Clubhouse. This is, of course, our weekly, weekly for a while now, more than a year. How, which, how many have we done so far, Laika? Okay, so we've done, this one is the 65th episode. Oh my goodness, that's, that's incredible. We have yeah. been incredibly consistent and persistent, and we've been doing every single week, thanks to our clubhouse manager, Laika. So let's give it a little um, cheer for her. Excellent. She's also a new, newlywed. Are you still married? Yeah, I'm still married. <laughs> she just got married like a month ago. <laughs> anyway, and then, of course, we have Joy. She's right next door. Hello, Joy. Oh, wait, she's, she's just there, just not there, kind of. I'm there. I'm there. My, 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 my phone is, is old and slow. <laughs> How okay, are you? Joy. How's it going? Very well, thank you. Do you want to share any news with us? There's so much news, but I think the most important one is the fact we are organizing a new donation drive, yay, for Italian Wine Podcast in November, and it's called I Am a Fan, and I know that's a weird thing, but it's it's going to be fun. <laughs> we are actually going to be uh, having a link to our Patreon and to our GoFundMe on our website, italianwinepodcast.com. And um, yeah, that is what I'm working on at the moment. It's uh, super exciting. And we've got Wine to Wine coming up with lots of interviews that will be on the podcast next month and so many things. So take it away, Stevie, because I'm going to keep talking. Okay, <laughs> shut up. So Joy, of course, is our uh, producer for the Italian Wine Podcast. We have gone from like one, two episodes a week to like, seven eight nine ten so we are driving her absolutely mad so she's always running around the office or rather um locked up in her little cubicle at the office trying to produce all of these many episodes and we do thank you very much joy and all of our um listeners out there because we are quickly becoming nearly three million listens just in the past 12 months i think we'll actually get that We've, we've passed 4 million listens. It all happened the past 12 months, really. It really accelerated quite quickly. So thank you all for listening and tuning on with us. So thank you all very much. Now, today's show, let's go on with the show. It's called The Ambassador's Corner. You know the deal. The deal is that we have one of our members from the VIA community, and we ask them to have a call with one of their favorite wine producers. And today we have Kevin Di Lucente. Ciao, Kevin. Ciao, Stevie. How are you doing? Come stai? Sto bene. Abbastanza bene. Are you uh, coming to... This is a dude who's speaking Italian from Buffalo, New York. Hello. <laughs> to wine. To wine. I can't remember. Uh, oh, no. Unfortunately, because I work in wholesale, October, November, December are very difficult times. Yeah. 
ways. So unfortunately, I won't be going there. Yeah, that's too bad because we've or- also organized a Gita Scholastica, actually three Gita Scholastica. Immediately uh, following Wine to Wine, there's Sicilia Dogs, or there are many people going to Sicily, of course, one of favorites, Montefalco, incredible program, including the Truffle Hunt. They're like 15 wineries in four days. I don't know how they're going to do this. And then, of course, Franciacorta. So that will be very exciting. We're sorry to miss you, Kevin. So, Kevin, let me tell you a little bit about Kevin. Kevin did um, the the course, the Vinital International Academy course, New York edition. And he came in with, of course, his infamous, famous teal spittoon from Bath, Beauty, and Beyond, or whatever that it's called. So uh, I wasn't very impressed. I was like, what is this guy thinking? And then he turns out to be the best of the class. So very impressive. Very studious and very smart dude indeed. So, Kevin, I know that you've been working in the wine world for, I'm, I'm looking up your, um, I'm stalking you right now on LinkedIn. So you were, of course, now you are, um, you're working for Winebow. Prior to that, you worked for David Bauer Wines. And prior to that, you worked for City Wine Merchant. But... It caught my eye that prior to that, you were uh, some doing something else. How did you change from ophthalmic technician to wine? Well, if you, if you dive even further, Stevie, you'll notice that I have a degree in theater, which, um, you know, it, it turned out to be not the most useful degree. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) well if you become an actor i suppose uh, well i'm always kind of doing stuff like that acting and improv and music so i have my side hobby which you know at at one point i would have liked to like those things to be my full-time job but um, i'm very happy that i get to work in a field that i'm passionate about especially um, when i get to sell italian wines but so essentially i got out of uh, school and i was looking for a job in buffalo new york and there's some theater jobs around here but uh, it's usually technical theater jobs. So I was just kind of scraping around looking for jobs, and I ended up uh, work, you know, finding that job working as a, an assistant to the doctors in an ophthalmolo- ophthalmolic practice. And I was there for, I don't know, four or five years and uh, realized pretty quickly that if I didn't find something else, then that would be my career. And I wasn't very passionate about it. I never had an eye exam while I was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's kind of a telltale sign there, Kevin. Yeah. Well, and then I had this, this serendipitous moment of, of uh, discovering wine and uh, just being lucky to be able to land that job at the, the wine store, which ended up being a windfall of information all in that three-year span that I spent there and pretty much cemented the, <laughs> the fact that I was going to be uh, making a career of, of wine and then, uh, you know, Shortly after that, realizing Italian wine was definitely going to be my focus. And I, I remember discovering that the Italy ambassador program was actually a thing. And I said, oh, I'm absolutely doing that. Yes. And, and, and really, we are really lucky to have you on board because you're incredibly passionate, but um, very precise, very deep knowledge about Italian wine. So, Well, thanks, Stevie. And, and if I can pay you guys a compliment... Uh, I think that the the program, if anyone is listening who is considering taking the program, I, I would say that Stevie and the team, Joy and Leica and Cynthia, they all do an amazing job of just fostering a wonderful community where everyone feels included. And uh, it's kind of part of the reason why I, I wanted to take, you know, the, the program is to be a part of a community and feel like I belong somewhere. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, now, having said that, let's go on to the show, the real show, where you will be interviewing today with Pierluigi Travaglini. I feel like I really need a gattinata right now. Um, so tell us why um, you've decided to choose Pierluigi Travaglini um, on the call today. It, it's sort of a long story, but I'm going to try and condense it as much as I can. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, try. try uh, yeah, I, will, I will truly try because I really want to talk to Pierluigi. Um, so uh, during the pandemic, uh, I believe I connected with their 
uh, Instagram account, uh, Tenuta Marta Rosa's Instagram account. And I, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then I realized that the wines were not imported in the U.S., so I kind of just put it on the back burner to one day tasting the wines. Uh, my great-grandfather is from a small town in Molise, and I also study Italian. So this September, this past September, I spent two weeks in Molise, in Agnone specifically, uh, studying, you know, doing a language immersion course, but also with the intent to taste the wine, as many wines as I could while I was there. It wasn't a wine trip where I was going to uh, try any of the vineyards. But anyway, long story short, there was a wine shop in Agnone. I walked in, I immediately recognized the labels of Tunute Marta Rosa because uh, they're beautiful labels. And I said, oh, I want to try that. And the, the, the store owner immediately said it was one of his favorite producers and, uh, and highly recommended it. So I, I tried several different wines and, and said, oh, these wines are amazing. I'm glad I got the chance to try them. And I'd like to help you know, spread the, the message of the winery. Oh, I must apologize. I really thought Travalini was from um, Gattinara, but this is another Travalini. It's from Canute yes. Montarosa. So I'm sorry, Pier Luigi. Sorry about my mistake. Um, I am unfamiliar with, of course, Molise, but I don't know very many producers there, except Di Maio Norante, of course. Um, but I'm looking forward to that then, to learn more about that. So what are the learning objectives today? So it's, it's you know, obviously you just admitted that you don't know much about the region. So we're going to yeah. talk a little bit about the region and the history and, you know, this wouldn't be a, a Vanitaly ambassador uh, podcast without <laughs> or, or interview without talking about the autochthonous, autochthonous varietal. So we're going to talk about Tintilia specifically. Exactly. And uh, we're going to get real geeky and have a lot of fun. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Over to you, Kevin. I will come back. I will shut up now and um, maybe get a glass of wine. I'm not. Yeah, I think I actually have some Tintilia in the office. And then I will join you towards the end to see if there are any other additional questions if we have more time. Okay? Sounds great. I'm usually the one that needs to shut up, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pierre Luigi, hi, are you there? Hello, Kevin. Hello, everyone. How are you? Terrific. Thank you so much for uh, joining and agreeing to doing this interview. I'm really looking forward to our conversation here. Um, Before we get into the questioning, uh, I thought it might be a good idea to uh, have you you introduce yourself to the listeners and give yourself and give everyone a background of who you are, uh, what your education is, and um, more or less how you uh, how you got into winemaking and, and owning a, a winery. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. So, yeah, I'm Luigi. I'm uh, with my brother uh, Michele. I'm um, one of the owner of um, Tenute Martarosa. Tenute Martarosa is a, a small winery which is. Um, Located in, in Molise, which is uh, also a small region within uh, within Italy. Um, before becoming uh, a winemaker, uh, I'm a chemical engineer. So um, I've, be- I've been uh, graduated um, almost, I think, 15 years ago, and then I've started working as a process engineer in a chemical company. But the, I mean, the love for uh, um, the area where I live. Uh, and the passion for, uh, I mean, grapes and everything is around the world of, wi- of wine. Bring uh, my brother and I to invest in this uh, world and start making wine. Uh, so we are a pretty young um, winery, as I mentioned. We, we are making wine since uh, six years now, but we have a more, uh, uh, I mean, ancient history as um, uh, grapes uh, growing. This is uh, the third uh, generation, so it's almost 80 years that we grow grapes. And uh, um, in the beginning, we used to sell uh, the grapes to other winery. And uh, just seven, uh, six, seven, six years ago, we started making uh, making wine. So that's me. Wow, that's terrific. Um, so uh, speaking about the history. Let's talk about the history of Molise in general. So when I was there in September, I learned about uh, something called Transumanza. And I, and I didn't know if that was something that kind of helped shape the area that you're in. Uh, I was more in the Alto Molise, and that was a big part of you know how the towns came to be in, in the history. Um, is, is that a part of the history of, of where you are? And, and if not, you know, what is some of the history of the area that goes back before your family was there? Um, yeah, the, the, what you call uh, Transumanza is really, I mean, well-rooted in Molise. It's more related to the, 
uh, animal farm, if I can say. Uh, it's not really, uh, I mean, heavily related to the to the wine growing itself, except in the winery. Because uh, what Transumanza makes, essentially, it's um, uh, during uh, the, the summer, usually, who used to, um, uh, let me say, um, how can I say in English? Um, to breed animals, it's right. Uh, Alevare. Think, from, Alevare. Yeah, yeah. Alevare, yeah. So we, we should take this, uh, this in Italian, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, 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 the farm that uh, they used to breed uh, uh, animals, so they used to take animals on, on the mountains, on the mountains during the, um, uh, the summer season because there was uh, a lot of fresh grass, uh, which was food for, uh, for animals. But during the winter season, when, uh, I mean, obviously uh, on the mountain it, it was cold and we had a lot of snow, it was really impossible for uh, uh, animals to have uh, anything to eat there. So they used to bring old animals just walking through the region and they used to bring animals on the coast, so on the sea, where it was much warmer. And uh, on summer we had fresh grass there. So Transhumanza is like this uh, um, round trip that... Uh, uh, the farmer they used to make with animals uh, for uh, providing them food essentially that that was uh, uh, transhumanism so but i mean we have um, yeah we have um, uh, um, a lot of uh, let me say road of transhumanism we call which uh, obviously today is not, is not yeah what we call trattori this is today is a tra- is a practice which is not uh, um, I mean, pursued anymore. So everything has changed. So this uh, has been uh, uh, ab- abandoned, like I can say. But we have these uh, uh, what we call tratturi, which uh, which are the, ro- the the old way that the, the, that farmer with animals they used to walk for moving from the mountains to the sea and by vice versa. Very interesting. I just thought that would be uh, something that would add to the uh, you know giving people an idea of the background of the history of the region. Uh, let's talk about the the temperature. So, what is the climate like generally, uh, specifically where you're at, and has it changed over um, the history of working the land? Is there an effective climate change, and do grapes grow everywhere in Molise? Yeah, Molise is. Um, I mean, from from a winery point of view, is. Um, um, not 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 really famous if i can say well well known but uh, has a really ancient history in terms of um, wine um, um, uh, grape growings like uh, the majority of um, of uh, center of, of italy i mean um, so so in the past we were just one big region with abruzzo you know we have abruzzo which is close to us we were uh, about 80 uh, 19 years ago we were just one big region and then after that, we just separated and uh, we became an uh, independent region called, called Molise. The climate here is really, I would say, uh, a, a classical Mediterranean um, I mean, um, climate. So it's really um, warm during uh, summer. Uh, it's a good uh, um, level of humidity. humidity. We are uh, essentially uh, Campo Marino. It's the town where we um, where we are, where Tenute Martarosa has the majority of uh, uh, of land. Uh, it's on the sea, so the, the, uh, we have um, a good humidity, um, and it's pretty warm, uh, also hot during uh, during summer. And um, in, in winter, it's um, a really warm winter. It's not so so rigid temperature. We can uh, the lowest we can reach is around uh, uh, zero, one, two C. So it's really uh, warm weather. I will uh, I, I will say. So it's it's an ideal um, weather or climate for having uh, um, vineyard and uh, having them growing and um, old grapes. Uh, I mean, reaching the right. Uh, Maturity before uh, uh, taking uh, um, t- taking up to the to the to the seller. I mean, in this in the last years, uh, I mean, what we are seeing, I mean, the 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 global the global uh, warming, the climate issue, it's uh, also impacting uh, our region. We are seeing a constant, a continuous increasing in, in temperature, especially during uh, during uh, during summer, where we have uh, really hot. Uh, uh, winds coming from uh, south, so from Africa usually, which, I mean, it, it tends uh, um, 
um, how um, it tend really to negatively somehow impact our uh, our grapes because uh, when this uh, wind uh, is uh, is there, it's really I mean around uh, 40 C, and it tend uh, literally to dry grapes and to dry also um, the leaves on on uh, on uh, in the vineyard. So it's really something that we we are trying to fight as much as possible, but there is not really much that we can do. So you said there's not really much you can do. Is there anything that you can do? What are some of the things that, that maybe that people are trying experimentally to combat this? Well, we are trying to to prepare the, I mean, the vineyard in the best uh, um, way that we can. So we are, um, essentially, we are not using any kind of um, uh, chemicals in, the, in our vineyards. So we can say that we are chemical free. Uh, even if I'm a chemical engineer, you know, but we are uh, chemical free in our vineyard. Uh, so that means that also um, for uh, for the um, we are not using any kind of pesticide. We are not using uh, any kind of disturbance. So we are just mechanically removing any any kind of uh, um, grass that we don't want in the in the vineyard. Um, we are. Uh, um, trying to making uh, our vineyard as sustainable as possible, and consequently our our wines. Um, we are not using any kind of uh, um, uh, chemical fertilizer, but only manner, mainly from cow or sheep. Uh, and this helps somehow. We are also what we do uh, right now in these days. We are seeding different uh, uh, grasses in in our vineyard. Which they do up during spring, and then they are, uh, uh, I mean, cut and left on the soil. So they are going to enrich by um, um, uh, by essentially organic matter uh, the soil, which means to increase the fertility of the soil. And these are all are all practices that help the the, the vineyard to be more prepared to any kind of. Uh, um, extreme, uh, obviously, uh, extreme um, um, uh, climate uh, event. We also are removing good part of the grapes that are on the on the, on the plant, just leaving few. Uh, consider that we remove about fifty percent of our grapes. So we we essentially we throw them away. So we they are they are just going to fertilize the soil, and that's because if the plant has less grapes. Uh, and can better survive to this extreme, uh, can better react to this extreme climate uh, condition. I love that. That's that's great. They're using just natural processes to make the grapes a little bit more resistant to things that are uh, changing in our environment. So speaking about the vineyards, um, uh, what are the soils like there? And, and, and are they, is there one general soil in Molise? Is there lots of different soils? How do they form? And, and how does it affect uh, the grapes as they grow on the vine? Does it does it impart minerality? I know that's a hot topic, but uh, talk a little bit more about the soils, please. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I can say that we have really, I mean, we can uh, split the region in uh, in two areas because we have an area which is on uh, on the sea, where essentially we have uh, more sand and clay uh, on on the side. And um, I mean, here uh, we can uh, can have really good uh, white wines because uh, they are really um, intense from uh, um, nose point of view. Um, and uh, uh, the other part of Molise, which is the what we call Alto Molise, which is high Molise, so where we have uh, uh, mountains and hills. This uh, this area is more. Uh, um, uh, a, calcare, a calcare area, so we have more carbonate there. We are, um, uh, it, it's more, um, um, it's an area which we can, uh, which can better um, uh, express the red wines, and is where the tintilia typically uh, take place because uh, we have a completely different soil there, which can better explain um, tintilia. So essentially, we have on cost a, a really good uh, soil for white wine. Uh, on the um, mountains and hill, main, uh, main and mountains, we have a good soil for uh, for red wines, which t- uh, Tintilia t- takes the majority of of uh, of, uh, of vineyard. Cool. Thanks for breaking that down. So 
Malizi is obviously a smaller region. I think it's the second smallest in terms of production in the country. Are there a lot of producers there? How many producers are there right now? Do you know uh, numbers-wise? Yeah, we um, every year we have a new new producer, which uh, I mean uh, came and we can add it to the list. But we are no more than twenty right now. Wow. Yeah, that's that's still relatively very small. Um, so. Talking more about the, the history of your family, and you said that they first uh, planted vineyards in the 1950s. Is that is that right? Yeah, it's uh, more more precisely 1930. So it's more than 90 oh. years that we are growing grapes. Yeah. So how yeah. did they, how did your family originally acquire the land? And do you have sites in you have obviously sites in both Altamolise and closer to the coast? Yeah, the, uh, I mean, the, the, the issue is like that. Uh, um, my grand, um, gra- grandfather, my grand, uh, grandmother, they, they um, are from Abruzzo, which, uh, from a town in Abruzzo, which is about, uh, I think, 100 kilometers far from uh, where we are today. And essentially, they were looking for a place where to, where to I mean, grew up their family. Uh, and say they, they were also... Um, they also were attempting to leave the area where they grew up, which was in um, uh, in Abruzzo. So they start uh, started working, and uh, they found this area, which where we are now, which was uh, almost uh, desert. It was uh, all uh, um, a lot of trees there. Uh, there was no farmer at that time, so they moved there. They found this uh, this this area, which was uh, which has a nice view on the on the sea. And they decided to to buy that land and to start, uh, I mean, farm that land. And so this is uh, what they did. They moved there. They 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 bought the the land, and uh, they, I mean, started um, growing their family in this uh, in this land. So essentially, is what they did. So in the really beginning, they were, uh, I mean, farming and harvesting uh, uh, something else, maybe just. Uh, um, other uh, other things. And a uh, few years later, they decided to to start uh, growing uh, grapes. So they they planted their first uh, their first uh, vineyard, uh, which is almost uh, yeah uh, more than eighty years ago. And then from there, uh, I mean, uh, they starting uh, them seeing that was a good business because it was easy to sell uh, grapes for making wine. And so they decided to purchase uh, additional land, and they started uh, I mean growing and uh, um, in this uh, in this uh, in this way. Um, so this is how we how we started. This is those those are parents from um, uh, my 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 dad's my dad's side from my mom's side. Um, what they did uh, because Molise at the time was uh, a not so rich. Uh, I mean region. I mean and there was not so was not so easy to find a job. So they they decided to emigrate. They moved to France. <laughs> Are you enjoying this podcast? There's so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco, and other stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. And there, my grandfather, he was working for, he started working for uh, a famous vineyard, a famous uh, uh, winery, which is there, which is Schulumberger. Uh, um, Not sure I'm, I'm, I'm pronouncing right that name. You're asking the wrong guy to pronounce anything from French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the, 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 he worked there for uh, about 10 years. And so he learned the he learned making wine, he learned everything around the, the, the world of, of wine. And so when he was back, um, he was from um, um, a town which was in, um, in the center of Molise. So he was not on the coast. But when he was back, he purchased the land on uh, in Campo Marino, so where we are today as well, and he decided to plant uh, a vineyard because he learned how to make wine because he wanted to start making its own wine. And so he what he did, he, is what he did. He, he, he purchased the land. He started, uh, I mean, uh, growing uh, uh, grapes and uh, making wine for himself, obviously, and he was starting uh, also making uh, wine for some friends. 
Uh, and so is how we, my brother and I also learned making wine. So I remember when we were, when we was a child, we were always with our um, uh, grand, uh, grandfather making wine. I mean, harvesting grapes and making wine and then we drinking wine, uh, obviously as well. It was, uh, it was really nice. So, uh, we, we grew up in this environment and we grew up in this, uh, um, contest in this farm. And, uh, I mean, and where I mean, uh, with us also in us, um, grew up also the passion for uh, this world, for the winery, and uh, everything uh, is around the world of wine. Wow! So I think that's really interesting uh, that they were in Al- your grandfather was in Alsace for a while. Is there anything definitively French about uh, the way that you make wines, or is or have you kind of uh, what you can say nowadays is it's kind of you know your own process based on a lot of different influences or is there something directly from Alsace that you can say we're still doing this practice that they would do in Alsace in the winery today that uh, based on what my grandfather taught us I'm not sure because I mean uh, the, this word uh, is uh, based on the history but it's also a, 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 um, I mean a really uh, IP's environmental so things they are evolving and changing continuously uh, try to improve always everything, improving quality, improving the way you are growing your uh, and um, harvesting your uh, your your grapes. Uh, so everything is uh, is really changing fast. And uh, um, I think that practice that we are using today um, are for sure best in class practice that I'm sure also in France uh, uh, have been used and uh, are used uh, are used today. So for sure a lot of learnings, but. Uh, uh, I think we are a uh, um, few steps ahead to what, uh, I mean, our uh, uh, grandfather uh, teached us in terms of making wine. Terrific. Yeah, I think you're very fortunate to have such a wonderful family history and um, in the region and, you know, influenced by other regions as well, too. So I think it would be a good time to start discussing uh, the wines that you produce at Tenuta Marta Rosa and, uh, you know, what is your production level? Uh, how many different wines do you make? Um, so if you could talk a little bit about that, please. Yeah, sure. So uh, as I mentioned, we are uh, a little small winery. So we define, uh, we, we used to define ourselves, we are an artisan um, winery uh, and uh, we are a family um, uh, business uh, winery. That's because uh, we produce uh, something between 70,000, 80,000 bottles per year. This is uh, typically our standard. And we make, um, I mean, seven, seven, different, uh, seven different labels. Uh, but I like to, to focus on few, on few of them. So um, obviously we, we produce white wines. As I mentioned before, we are in Campo Marino, so we, we are on the sea. And uh, we have we have some vineyards which are uh, on um, um, on a soil which I mentioned. It's mainly sand and clay, which it's really um, well placed, well uh, um, yeah disposed for producing uh, white wines. Uh, white wines are really mineral, really fresh, um, so really. Um, I, I would like to say summer wine, you know, because uh, typically you you like to drink whites uh, wines um, mainly in summer than than winter. Typically in winter, uh, I mean, you prefer red wine. Um, so we produce Fiano. Uh, Fiano, I'm sure you know, it's um, a white grape. Uh, is one of the most ancient grape that has been harvested uh, uh, in Italy since uh, since ever. Um, some studies say us that uh, Fiano has been uh, um, imported in Italy from uh, from uh, Greece, uh, from uh, the Grecian uh, through the through the Sicily, and then he started. I mean, um, escalating all the in Italian peninsula, and in Molise we are the only one which are uh, making Fiano. We like Fiano because it's really um, smelling wine. Um, it's a really um, fresh wine for uh, our um, um, fresh wine because it is really of uh, it, it, it's a, a really good acidity 
But what I like, uh, I enjoy most uh, of Fiano is the really smell of the wine because uh, you remember um, yellow fruit, uh, typically uh, tropical fruit, which could be passion fruit, could be mango, could be NNS, uh, pineapple. So all those uh, um, smells are typical of, of, uh, of Fiano. Um, we are really happy about this product and uh, it's selling really well. It's really represent our idea of uh, um, a white wine. Then we have another wine. No, go ahead. No, I also like to talk about Tintilia because Tintilia is um, probably the the future of uh, Molise in terms of uh, of wine. Um, Tintilia is um, is uh, an autochthon grape which grows uh, only in uh, Molise region which um, has been uh, harvested probably 100 years ago, uh, 300, 400, 500 years ago. So there are some uh, um, uh, historical uh, um, documents saying, uh, saying that, but uh, obviously um, there is not, um, we are not sure about that. Uh, through the years, uh, Tintilli has been uh, abandoned in favor of other um, um, I mean, vari- variety which uh, were more productive, like uh, Montepulciano or uh, Trebbiano for the white wine, uh, for the white, uh, um, or uh, Merlot, or uh, all friends uh, also uh, variety. Just because, uh, um, considering that in Molise we had um, typically ma- the, the the majority of producers uh, of farmers they used to sell uh, uh, to sell grapes. So as much, um, in terms of quantity, as much um, as uh, grapes uh, I was uh, able to harvest, so I had uh, much weight and I was, I was uh, paid more. Because Tintilia um, is producing, is a low, uh, I mean, uh, yield uh, variety. So it's producing not so much like uh, Montepulciano, for example, was uh, somehow... Um, abandoned uh, for, uh, for for this reason. But in the last 20 years, uh, just because uh, it's a really nice um, uh, grape, and thanks to the to the, to the young vineries, uh, also thanks uh, to Tenute Martarosa, who um, invested in this, uh, in this uh, grape, and uh, we planted a few uh, hectares of this, a um, uh, few land of these, uh, these grapes, uh, just because we think that this is the future. So thanks to a lot of uh, small um, wineries, this uh, grape uh, is finally back. It's back and, uh, I mean, is uh, somehow uh, enabled uh, and it's it's building its own uh, place within uh, the the wine market, which is huge, as you know. So can you trace the origin of this grape varietal, similar to what you suppose uh, Fiano originated from Greece? And um, were, were these grapes there when your family first arrived, or did did they were they grapes that your family started planting after the fact when they were discovered later? Yeah, about the origin of this grape, uh, there is, I mean, some uh, some idea. There is no clarity. Obviously, we are not sure about uh, that. But few t- few people they say that is coming from Spain. Just because the and the, and the name Tintilla it, it becomes from uh, Tinto, which in uh, in in Spain does mean uh, heavy red color. I mean, if I can say so, heavy heavy color uh, wine. But this is not uh, n- not sure. This a uh, few others they think that it's um, it's uh, like a brother of another variety that we have in um, in uh, in Sardinia. But also here, if we match the um, DNA, DNA of Tintilia and of those other varieties, varieties they do not uh, match. So it is really not clear um, where Tintilia is coming from. Uh, the more probable thing is that uh, it's coming from, from Spain, but in Spain there is no uh, any other variety which can match the, the Tintilia DNA. So that, that's really not clear. The, the, the the history of this uh, this grape, but it's different to any other grapes that we know. So, what are the characteristics of Tintilia? What should someone who's tasting one for the first time expect to be typical of the aromas and the flavors and the structure and the color? 
Yeah, uh, to me, Tintilia, uh, if I have to tell you Tintilia in one word, I will use elegance. Because uh, to me, Tintilia is a really elegant wine. Uh, the first, uh, obviously, the, the, I, I'm talking about my, uh, my Tintilia because uh, Tintilia we are making uh, typically makes two years of aging. Uh, part of it makes 12 months in, um, in Tonneau, which is uh, 500 liters uh, wood barrel. Uh, so the first thing that you, you smell when you, 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 you take Tintilia is uh, for sure some uh, sweet notes, which is coming like vanilla, which is coming from the wood. Um, in this process of aging, but then you have a lot of uh, fruit because this is uh, our idea of uh, of wine. It's coming from fruit, so the first thing that f- first thing that you have to 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 smell for sure is fruit. So you will uh, um, smell smell a lot of uh, red fruit, um, and uh, this is the majority of uh, of what you can uh, you can see. So you have some uh, also some tobacco. You can have uh, some. Uh, um, liquirizia. I don't know in English how, how to say liquirizia. Do you know, Kevin? Uh, no, I don't. Someone uh, else on that? Stevie, Joy, Leica? Uh, li- licorice? licorice? Licorice. Oh, licorice. Licorice. Yeah, yeah. that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Almost like a, 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 and then, but the most interesting thing of Tintilia that you will smell also some spice, like a black, a black pepper or um, something like that, which is uh, really unique. I mean, you cannot find in other, uh, in, um, in, you can find in only one or two other uh, variety. So that's something that uh, makes Tintilia great. But the other thing is that also, uh, I mean, it's, uh, uh, Tintilla is really good wine for long aging. So you can have Tintilla aging uh, uh, in a bottle for ten years, 20, probably twenty years, and it will it, it will be still a great uh, great wine. Uh, we are not there yet. So our first uh, um, uh, vintage is two thousand sixteen, but we are uh, I mean aging those bottles because we are curious to see how it will be twenty years from now. Well, I can say that I did try your Tintilia when I was there, and it definitely struck me as a wine that had the structure that would would definitely be able to age. And and I can tell you, it was definitely the most impressive Tintilia that I had when I was there. So I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the the labels of your your wines. Uh, so my first introduction to your winery was just your Instagram account, and uh, you know the the labels are quite vivid, and there's some gold. Uh, you know, embellishments on the on the labels and whatnot. So, who designs the labels? Who came up with the concept? Uh, is there different uh, patterns and and symbolisms to the, the the labels themselves for individual wines? Yeah, I mean, the the, the idea behind the label is uh, behind the label was to try to uh, to attract as much attract as much as possible the um, the, um, the potential customer. Um, I can say like surprising the uh, the customer because uh, I mean if you look at our labels are something that is probably completely different to what is the standard idea of labels that we have uh, we have in Italy so that was thought to try to differentiate our uh, um, wine to what uh, is uh, uh, the rest of the market mainly we were looking at the Molise at that time so I think that we are producing wines that are significantly different to the other ones making uh, in the region and there was also the idea so um, uh, surprise the customer and to to say hey this is something new this is something completely different to what you are thinking today but behind that we tried also to to have in our labor so some uh, also some history of of, uh, of Molise if you look at the um, labels of uh, Fiano or the label of Moscato for example or the label of Tintilla Rosé those labels are representing uh, uh, what we call uh, um, I mean it's uh, an handmade uh, uh, work uh, how can I say that it's like a, a tissue which is uh, um, handmade uh, yeah, so really I, nice I was when I was in uh, Pierluigi. When I was in uh, Molise, we visited Isernia, and they have a tradition of 
of making lace. Is that what this is, merletto? Yes, what we call, uh, uh, it's made with uh, bobbin lace. Yeah, something like that. Merletto, tombolo is what we call it. Yeah, yes. you're right. And so those labels, they are really representing these. So they are on um, uh, silver uh, uh, color, gold color, just to represent, I mean, part of uh, somehow the history of Molise and what uh, we, we do there. And so it's like a combination of those two things. Very good. Well, I, I spend a lot of time for my job in and out of retail stores and restaurants, and I hadn't tasted your wines, and I walked into a store and re- immediately recognized them. So I think that the labels are working quite well. So uh, you mentioned earlier that you, you use natural farming practices, and I think it's, 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 <laughs> it's quite interesting that you're a chemical engineer, and this is the route that you chose, which obviously shows that you have quite a respect for the land. Was that something that you your family was doing early on, or is that a decision that you made more recently? We started doing that, uh, uh, Kevin, in the last ten uh, in the last decade, the last ten days, uh, the last ten years, I can say, uh, just because we learned that. Um, that uh, I mean, we really don't need all these chemicals in uh, in uh, in uh, in nature. I mean, nature can provide everything uh, um, we need. Nature can provide everything. Uh, um, I mean, uh, trees and um, grapes they need. So everything is there. So there is no need to add anything. And I can tell you that um, by eliminating all the the, um, the chemical fertilizer. We have seen responding the soil positively. So we have seen the soil uh, through the years changing. Also thanks to the practice to adding, I mean, manner and um, I mean, uh, seeding uh, um, uh, seeds and uh, cutting them during, uh, um, and obviously cutting the the the, the, the grass during um, spring, which means to enrich by um, organic matter the soil. We have seen the soil be more soft, if I can say. Okay. So less rude, less uh, less dry, uh, and I mean that's the proof. Uh, and also, it's ten years that we are uh, harvesting and making. Uh, seven years we are making wines without chemicals, and uh, so we are proving that that's possible. So there is no need for all those uh, chemical uh, stuff. We, I mean, we need. I like the idea of being sustainable. I like the idea that when a customer drink a glass of wine. He knows that uh, it's made uh, is as natural as possible, um, uh, which is an environmental, uh, environmentally friendly wine, and it's a sustainable wine. Because I mean, we need to think of the future. We need to think to the next uh, generation, and um, that's all. That's why we are doing that. Yeah, I think there's many people that would agree with you, and, and are, are very happy that you made the decision to switch over to that. My myself included. So let's have a little bit of fun and, and ask a hypothetical question. So uh, let's say that you uh, had to choose one other region outside of Molise. It could be another part of Italy or, or really anywhere else in the world to make wine. Where would that place be and why? Well, I think, Kevin, that, um, I mean, if the, 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 the climate is the right one, I mean, the, the, um, I mean if the... the, the, the um, the vanilla can survive to the extreme, uh, I mean, uh, climate. Um, I would say that uh, I will like every every region just because, uh, I mean, what we do, it's true we do wine, but essentially what we are telling with our wines, we are telling our territory. And I'm sure if I will take the Tintilia, which grows in Molise, and I will um, go, for example, in... Uh, I don't know North North America or uh, uh, in France or wherever. I mean, uh, grapes are um, easy to grow. Uh, I will make a really good wine there as well, which obviously will be different to what I do in Molise. And this wine will be the expression of a different territory. Uh, what in France they used to call terroir. It will be a different expression of a different condition, different climate. A different way of maybe harvesting the, the and growing up grapes, and uh, I mean I think will be good everywhere. But uh, I like uh, um, I really like uh, I mean uh, places where uh, it's too cold for having uh, for having any kind of of, uh, of wines um, of, of grapes growing. 
uh, I would say Patagonia, but it's too cold there. So that's my idea. I mean, we can do good wine everywhere if we have the good, uh, um, uh, the good knowledge and the good love for what we do. That's great. I, I put you on a spot a little bit with that question, but I appreciate it. was a little bit of a political answer where you uh, you kind of indirectly told us that you like to make wines uh, that taste like the place they come from. And I'm and I'm quite happy that you're doing it in Molise. Um, so uh, do you have any future plans uh, at the winery plans to uh, get different vineyards in different places, experiment with different varietals? Or do uh, more more with Tintilia? Yeah, we we strongly believe that uh, Tintilia is the future of um, of uh, Molise and would be the, um, the for sure the fundamental for our grow. So that's why we are investing on Tintilia. We are going to plant a new uh, new vineyard of Tintilia in in other uh, um, region of Molise. So we are trying to differentiate as much uh, as much as possible. So we have some Tintilia in, uh, in a town which is close to, to Campo Marino, which is uh, uh, Casa Calenda. But we are looking for other uh, soil in other, um, uh, in, in other town uh, just because uh, these three areas, they will bring us different... Uh, um, um, it will be different uh, wine, you know, because uh, the wine that we made in uh, Casa Calende is different to the wine that we made in uh, in Fossalto, which is different to the wine that we make in Camporino, just because they are the expression of different territory. So these, we are doing that, we are planning that because that will enrich the complexity of our wines and uh, can better be the expression of, uh, of Molise. And we are also planning for, um, I mean, uh, making a new uh, a new winery. So we want to expand. Uh, essentially, we are in a small uh, um, in in more structure now. We want to expand it because we are growing, and uh, we need to prepare for a high up, really uh, fast grow. So, is there a consortium in the region or a group of people that are trying to help? market the, the the wine in the region outside of the region right now yeah there is a consortium of tintilla which we call consortium uh, of tintilla we should work on uh, i mean talk about tintilla outside the region you know so and uh, having tintilla known uh, everywhere all around the world um so we are uh, we are part of this consortium we are uh, working on that it's not easy because the the region is really small, and also the quantity of bottle that we annually produce of Tintilla is a, is a really small. So it's it's challenging. Um, it, it's probably not enough for uh, having a Tintilla uh, well known uh, outside of uh, Molise, uh, Italy, and uh, I mean all over the world. So we, we should we should grow, and uh, I'm I'm one which thinks that. Uh, in Molise, we should uh, remove everything and have uh, only uh, one yard of, of Tintilla because it's the only autochthone grape, and uh, I really like Tintilla. Well, I definitely do as well. Um, so going back to your, your winery proper, so you work with your family, and it's you and your brother that founded the winery, correct? That's right. So what, what is it like working with your family, and who does what? Because are your parents also involved in the winery? Yes, they are part of this project. They are fully involved. Yeah. So, are there specific I mean, I jobs that everyone has, or do you all kind of pitch in in, in every <clears throat> single aspect? We have. We tend to have uh, some uh, dedicated area where uh, each of us will uh, typically focus on. Um, obviously, uh, my mom and my dad they used to be more uh, um, supportive. Okay, so they are trying to to support us where it's more needed, uh, mainly during the harvesting season, where I mean the work is really really hard and and it's really uh, probably too much. We can work up to twenty four hours per day for making our uh, rosé wine and white wine. It's a really intensive time, and so we really need uh, extra extra um, extra people there. Uh, but the majority of the, the the majority of activities are performed by my brother and I. So my brother is the one which, I mean, takes care about. Uh, I mean, customer relationship is the one which used to sell wine. So it's uh, it's the interface with the customer. So he's the one which uh, uh, it's mainly taking care about marketing part. 
and uh, is also, um, I mean, coordinating all the the activities in in uh, in the Vanayal. So he, he coordinate uh, is the supervisor of all the the work and the task that needs to be performed through the seasons. I'm the one which is more. Uh, I mean, dedicated, uh, which works more in uh, in um, in um, in the winery. So I'm the one which uh, uh, I mean work with uh, with wine directly. I'm the one which uh, uh, work in the lab, checking the the some uh, quality parameter of uh, our wine. So I run the analysis. I check that everything is fine. I um, work with uh, our consultant, which is. Uh, um, uh, 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 in Italian, I say enologo. Not sure in English was the right word. So it's yeah, the winemaker. Yeah, the winemaker. Yeah, sorry. So I work with the uh, with the winemaker, which uh, uh, I mean uh, uh, works for us. Uh, so I'm the one which make the the, the all this task uh, within uh, within the the, the wine. Oh, that's wonderful. So uh, you're not currently. Uh, in the United States, correct? You don't have an importer in the United States. We do not yet. Yes. Okay, but uh, you you may maybe would consider one and and be open to conversations, correct? Yes, yes. We already have in the past few um, approach, but nothing that uh, has been. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, which move forward? Yeah, no, I totally understand that. But I would also part of this is. Uh, purpose of this interview is also maybe uh, you know put your name out there a little bit more, and maybe if someone is looking for a nice uh, producer from Molise, um, then perhaps they'll get in touch with you, and uh, maybe it'll work out for for bo- for all parties involved. All right, so I have another fun question for you, and then we'll probably wrap up shortly after this. But um, what is one of your favorite places in your vineyards? Uh, that you feel lucky to visit every time you're there? And, and do you have a, a special memory from a time in the vineyard with uh, with your brother or your family? Is there, is there a funny story that happened? And I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but is there anything you'd like to share, even if it's just one little one little sliver of the vineyard that you always uh, make, make a point to go and visit? But uh, to me, Kevin, I mean, there is not really a, a place. It's more uh, being together in the, in the vineyard. So it's also the same... Uh, um the same thing that i see when uh, i mean i say it's a family um uh, it, it's it's a family business this one so the most the, the which i like more of this uh, activity is that i can spend time with my family i can work with my family we can i, I mean i can stay with them and uh, i mean we can uh, project we can make project we can uh, see the result see the result of what we have done all together so staying together i think this is the power of Tenute Marta Rosa, and also this is uh, what I really, really enjoy more in in Vanyard because um, I mean working the winery is really hard work, but being uh, together is what really is what I really like, and uh, this is uh, what I enjoy enjoy more. That's absolutely wonderful, um, and um, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Pierluigi, it's been an absolute honor talking to you. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, I, I will hand you back over to CB Kim if she has any questions or if there's any questions uh, from the audience, uh, if anyone has any questions for Pierre Luigi. Stevie, are you there? Yep. Hi. Thank you very much. Hold on one second. There you go. Congratulations. Pierre Luigi, you did a great job. I do think that you're looking for an importer stateside. I would like to ask you a question, just like very an, an overview with regards to uh, I see you have eight uh, labels, eight different labels. Is that correct? That's right. And how many like how many bottles do you produce of each? Just so that we can contextualize a little bit of your production. Uh, it, it depends by the, the obviously the, the the wine, but we are between uh, uh, five thousand. And 12,000 per uh, per each bottle. Okay. So is it uh, fair to say, I mean, obviously you're focused on Tintilia, as we've learned, but what is your signature wine? Is it the IGT or is it the Tintilia del Molise or is it the Antico Podere, which is is more Montepulciano? I would say Tintilia is the Tintilia del Molise. Okay, Tintilia del Molise. Yeah. 
Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much. I, I love the questions about the family. We didn't quite get an answer, I think, like who does what exactly. But I look at the picture in your website and you just just exude, you know, like a nice family. So congratulations and good luck to you, Pierluigi. And um, hope to meet you in person sometime. And if you'd like to, you know, get get in touch with us, I mean, at Wine to Wine, for example, we're doing a B2B, B2B event. That could have been a good place for you to have participated, but maybe next year. So we keep in touch and um, you never know. Sure. Thank you, Stevie. Thank you, Kevin, for uh, this uh, really nice discussion. And uh, stay in touch. Okay. Thank you very much. Ciao, ragazzi. Thanks. Bye. Alla prossima. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.